0: The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Zeal. If you want a good massage but don't have the time to get one, have the massage come to you with Zeal. You pick the time and the location. Have your next massage on demand at home. Our listeners can get $20 off their first massage with promo code BIGIDEA. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Friday, May 25th. In today's news... Lawmakers are mad that a White House lawyer showed up for a top-secret briefing on the FBI's Russia source. Harvey Weinstein turned himself into authorities on Friday. And a turf war between Jared Kushner and Jeff Sessions has pushed the federal prison's director to resign. But first, the big idea. The next North Korea summit shows the limitations of Trump's Me First diplomacy. The historic nuclear disarmament summit between President Trump and North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un crumbled nearly as quickly as it came together in a sudden and startling decision Thursday morning by the American president. Inside the White House residence, the first alarm sounded about 10 p.m. Wednesday night when National Security Advisor John Bolton told Trump about North Korea's public statement, which threatened a, quote, nuclear-to-nuclear showdown and mocked Vice President Pence as a political dummy. Trump was dismayed by Pyongyang's bellicose rhetoric, the same sort of theatrics Trump often deploys against his adversaries. Bolton, one of the biggest hawks in the administration, advised him that the threatening language was a very bad sign. And the president told advisors he was concerned Kim was maneuvering to back out of the summit and make America look desperate. So Trump called it off first. At the core of Trump's foreign policy is a belief that he can use his personal charisma to charm his way to world peace. The collapse of the planned summit shows the limits of Trump's me-first approach. In the end, what killed the summit was the rushed nature of the negotiations, the lack of message discipline by senior Trump officials, and the absence of the meticulous planning that typically leads to diplomatic breakthroughs. In remarks at the White House, Trump left the door open for the summit to be rescheduled. A North Korean official, perhaps eager to foist blame on Trump, responded that Pyongyang remains ready to meet at any time. The blame game is already underway. Senior White House aides emphasized to reporters yesterday that a rescheduled meeting is unlikely anytime soon, citing a series of what they called broken promises that frayed trust. Among other things, they say North Korea failed to show up for a key logistical planning meeting with a U.S. delegation in Singapore last month. Bigger picture, Trump has shown friend and foe alike once again, that the United States is not a reliable negotiating partner. This will have long-term consequences. Trump pulled out of the Iranian nuclear agreement, the Paris climate accord, and the Trans-Pacific Partnership trade deal. In all three cases, he said he'd negotiate a better deal for the United States. He is not. He launched a trade war against China, which he said would be easy to win. Then he blinked, with no meaningful concessions from Beijing. Trump said securing peace in the Middle East would be, quote, frankly, maybe not as difficult as people have thought. Then he poisoned the well by moving the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem, giving up a possible bargaining chip that could have lubricated a bigger deal. The president fancies himself the premier negotiator of his generation. I alone can fix it, he said as he accepted the Republican Party's nomination for president in 2016. Well, he's learning the hard way that diplomacy takes a global village. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Justice Department and intelligence community leaders briefed top Republican and Democratic lawmakers on Thursday about one of the sources that assisted its probe into possible Russian infiltration of the Trump campaign. Remarkably, the White House dispatched two of its top representatives, Chief of Staff John Kelly and White House lawyer Emmett Flood, to relay a message from the president at the start of the briefings. That raised some suspicion, even among Republicans, as the matter that was being discussed concerned an ongoing criminal investigation involving the Trump campaign. The goal of the briefings was to diffuse partisan conflict over the FBI's use of a confidential human source. Both Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell, the top two Republicans in Congress, expressed confidence in special counsel Bob Mueller's investigation after their briefing. Ryan, the House Speaker, said the Justice Department is cooperating and Democrats who were there said there was no new information that's material to the investigation. Number two, the disgraced movie mogul Harvey Weinstein turned himself into New York authorities on Friday to be charged with sex crimes. This development comes a few months after the Manhattan District Attorney launched an investigation into allegations of sexual assault, some of which were detailed in the New Yorker magazine. Those allegations helped inspire the Me Too movement that has empowered people across industries and around the country to speak out about abuse they've suffered in the workplace. Federal prosecutors and authorities in other cities, including Beverly Hills, Los Angeles, and London, have also launched criminal investigations into Weinstein. And reportedly, there's a federal inquiry that's ongoing too. Meanwhile, in more Me Too news, actor Morgan Freeman is the latest to be accused of inappropriate behavior and harassment. 16 women came forward and spoke to CNN about the actor's alleged misconduct. Apparently, according to CNN, it happened on set, at promotional events, and at his production company. It involved unwanted touching and public comments about women's clothing. None of the women reported his behavior at the time. Most said that was because they feared for their jobs. Number three, A heated turf war between Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, and Attorney General Jeff Sessions has driven the federal prisons director to resign just months after Trump appointed him to the job. The New York Times reports that while in office, Mark Inch has tried to navigate a path between Kushner and Sessions, who disagree strongly about prison reform, but he couldn't. Early in the administration, Kushner and Sessions reached a deal that Kushner could press ahead with prison reform, but that he couldn't do sentencing reform because that's a more politically divisive issue that the attorney general cares strongly about. But Sessions controls the prison bureau, so he worked quietly behind the scenes to water down the prison reforms that Kushner was pushing for and make sure they weren't, as he saw it, too favorable to inmates. One way that Sessions did this was to insist on time-consuming studies to explore the ins and outs of every issue. Inch complained and says he grew tired of the administration flouting what he calls departmental norms, he complained that Sessions and Kushner elbowed him out of major staffing, budget, and policy decisions. And that's The Daily 202 for Friday, May 25th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll be off on Memorial Day, but back Tuesday morning. Have a great, long weekend.